Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into our world for the purpose of going to the cross. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. Help us to see you. Help us to see you upon the cross. And as we see you, may we see that you look at us with eyes of love. That the cross is the greatest demonstration of love. It's the greatest definition of love. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving eyes that see us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would see the cross, and through the cross we would have peace on this evening. Amen. Today we gather in our homes, we gather to contemplate the cross of Jesus Christ. So I ask the question, what words do you associate with the cross of Jesus? When I meditate upon the cross of Jesus, these familiar words come to my mind. Familiar words. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Look at the cross. What do you see when you look at the cross? The cross was violent. It was a horrific and inhumane instrument of torture and death. Yet Jesus willingly went to the cross. Why? Why did Jesus willingly submit himself to an instrument of unbearable torture and death? He did it for you. He loves you. When you contemplate the cross of Jesus, I I hope you don't miss Jesus' eyes. I pray that you can picture picture Jesus' face. When you look at him, what expression do you see on his face and what do you see in his eyes? Pain? Yes. Sorrow? Of course. But underneath the pain and sorrow, in the eyes of Jesus, I pray that you see the love of God. The love of God that is for you. Yes, it's undeserved love, but it's God's love for you. John said it best. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Loving eyes. Loving eyes looking at you. In our reciprocal lives, in which everything must be earned, we can't truly grasp the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's because, for the most part, we're, we're required to earn acceptance. If you transgress against me, I begin to distance myself from you. When your behavior is upstanding, I draw closer to you. We distance ourselves from those we can't trust. When a person's behavior goes outside our accepted norms, We marginalize that person. We we set that person outside the camp. This is human nature. But God doesn't operate like us. 
And for this we can say, thanks be to God. You see, God doesn't distance Himself from us. Even after we transgressed against Him, God didn't distance Himself from us. Just think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They sinned against God. God gave them a clear command. But they disobeyed. They ate of the forbidden fruit. In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, we read, And the Lord God commanded Adam, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. How did God respond after Adam and Eve disobeyed? God could have sent them to hell immediately. He could have exterminated them. But God didn't do that. God came near to them. God didn't leave them. Yes, after our first parents sinned, there were consequences. Toil, pain, and death. All the consequences passed down to us today. Death is the greatest consequence of sin. After Adam and Eve sinned, yes, he did tell them of their consequences. However, God spoke to them. And I think it's significant that God spoke to them. God spoke to them because God still loved them. When you're not spoken to, it feels like you're not loved. It's significant that, that God spoke to them. The very act of speaking to them proved his love for them even when he spoke of consequences. Adam and Eve sinned, and before he spoke of the consequences their actions deserved, God came near to them, and this is love. Genesis tells us, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, God called to the man, and said to him, where are you? This is love. God came near. God spoke. Love is God coming near to sinners. Love is God speaking to sinners. We stay away from people who transgress societal norms. We'll even lock them up and throw away the key, the key or, or we'll even condemn them to die. But God comes near to sinners. Look into the eyes of Jesus. What do you see? I pray that you see the love, the love of God for you, loving eyes, love that has come near to you. God came near to sinful humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. 
The gospel writer teaches us that God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Think of it, the the almighty, holy, pure, and awesome God became a man. God came near to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He came near to us to love us and to save us from the consequences of our sin. And when God came near in the person of Jesus Christ, he touched the outcasts of society. He touched the unclean leper. He ate with sinners. He befriended tax collectors, prostitutes, drunks, and gluttons. And Jesus is your friend too. He is a friend of sinners. He loves you. And Jesus has come near to you in your homes tonight in this service of God's Word. Jesus, who who is the Word made flesh, comes near to you in His written Word. Jesus shows up at every gathering of believers, not because we're, we're better than others. He doesn't come to us because He's impressed with our holiness. He shows up when believers gather because he is, he is the friend of sinners. And that's what the church is. The church is, is an assembly of sinners seeking the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ in his word. We gather because we need the love of Jesus to be poured into our hearts once again. This is why we preach. We preach because we need to hear God. We need to hear God's voice. And we need to know that he is present with us in love. So Jesus has drawn near to you today. He, he is with you. He, he loves you. He, he sees you. Jesus looks at you with loving eyes. Do you and I deserve this love? We know that we don't deserve anything good from God. The only reason we have been granted the presence of Christ and the word of Christ in our midst is because of his love for us. And as I preach on this Good Friday, I realize that my words imply something. My words imply something important. Tonight we gather to reflect upon the death of Jesus on the cross. But my words make it sound as if Jesus isn't dead. Listen, church. Jesus is not dead. He is risen. He is with us. He is serving us. He is loving us. Good Friday isn't a funeral for Jesus. Good Friday is an opportunity to contemplate the love of God. And as we contemplate the love of God by looking at the cross of Jesus Christ where our sin was atoned for, our hearts are set at liberty. And as we take time to contemplate the cross, we cannot help but be reminded that Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the tomb. Jesus rose again. 
In this side of the resurrection, we contemplate the cross in the light of the resurrection. The disciples who witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus didn't see the cross as anything but a tragedy until after the resurrection. This side of Easter Sunday, we see the cross as the love of our crucified and risen Savior. We see the cross as our salvation. So if you want to know what love is, don't look up a dictionary definition. Look at the cross. And there you will see love in its purest and most profound form. God giving his only begotten son for us in our salvation. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I ask tonight, are you trusting in Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus as your Savior? I pray that you believe that Jesus is your Savior. Romans 10, 8 through 13. The Word is near you. The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. And what is that message? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So have you declared with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? Jesus is my Lord and Savior? Have you believed in your heart? Have you believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? If so, you are saved. Paul goes on to say, for it is with your heart that you believe and are made right with God, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. And the greatest verse in all the Bible, in my opinion, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is my prayer that when you look at the cross of Jesus, you see love in the eyes of your Savior for you. Amen. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And we confess all we like sheep have gone astray. We have gone astray. And you have laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Let our cry come to you. Do not hide your face from us in the day of our distress. Incline your ear to us. Answer us speedily. We have sinned against you.
And we humbly ask for your forgiveness and cleansing, which has come to us through the blood of your one and only Son, shed upon the cross. Tonight we confess with our mouths. We believe in our hearts. Jesus has died to take away our sin. And Jesus is risen again for our salvation. Fill us once again with this amazing love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.